rise of sons, the process. Father, I lift, stand with me if you would please, everyone in this room. Father, I lift my voice over every hearer today, wherever they may find themselves, whether in this room, online, down the road, they listen to this recorded, however it might be. I lift my voice over the people that are hearing what it is that you've put in my heart today. I pray today that you cause our ears to hear what you want us to hear. I pray today that any words that I use that you might not, but you, that you will transform those words to your word when they hear the word. Today, let your voice be heard within my voice. Let us see what we need to see to be changed. Let us receive what we need to receive to be sons. Help us today to trust you, to believe that your work in its entirety, in its fullness, your word and your work will always produce exactly what you sent it to produce. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for this people. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this season that we wrap up and this season that we're entering into. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Turn to somebody and say to them this morning, say, there is a process. You know, when I think about um, all the ways and that God works on us, uh, when Yahweh comes to us, and when you, if you hear me, if you're visiting today and you hear me say Yahweh, that's the Hebrew name of, that's how you say God, that's who He is in Hebrew. That's His name. That's His name, Yahweh. So when I say Yahweh, don't think I'm talking about somebody you don't know, well, uh, if you know Him, but I'm talking about God. So I just want you to be clear today because I don't want that to be a distraction for you to hear what he sent for you to hear today. So I'm going to continue the series today, The Rise of Sons, and the subtitle of this series, this part of the series today, is The Process. And the series, The Rise of Sons, is about each and every one of us becoming what and who we were sent to be. Do you know this morning that you did not show up on planet Earth without purpose? Do you believe that? You were sent. Now, you might think, well, it's an odd way that he chose to send me. Maybe. Maybe it's peculiar. Maybe how you came to be in the earth is a little untraditional. I don't know how everybody came to be in the earth, but I can tell you, if you're in this earth, if you're breathing air today, he sent you. And I also want you to know this today. We are not sons because you and I say we're sons. I'm not a son simply because I say I'm a son of God. That doesn't make me a son. We are sons when saying so is no longer necessary. You know you're a son when saying so is no longer necessary. You know you're a son when you don't have to go to someone and say, I'm a child of God. They know it before you get to them. Because there's something different about you. Something that causes you to stand apart from everybody else. You can tell my wife and I, we love Hallmark movies and like some of you, well, we actually love Great American Family better than we do Hallmark Channel now, but, um, but we watch these Christmas shows that, and, and some of our favorites, cause, just because we like the accent partially, but it's when they deal with the royal family, you know, somebody falls in love with royalty, you know, and they go over and end up going and inheriting a castle or whatever it might be, and it's always got this special ooh-la-la because someone's speaking in a British accent or Scottish or whatever, and by the way, I found out the other day that I am 61% British. 
I am 15% German, and I am 12% Scottish. So if my accent begins to change, <laughs> it's just coming out of me. I bought myself for Christmas the DNA test just because I want, because this is why I bought it. Let me tell you why I bought it. Because I have a great, I don't know if she's my great-grandmother or great-great-grandmother, but it's either my great or my great-great is full-blooded Cherokee Indian. So I wanted to do the DNA test because if you're 25% Indian, you get free health care in the United States. It's true. So I said to my wife, I said, if it's my great-great, it might even be three greats in there, I'm not sure. But I said, and I've got a picture of her, it's amazing. And I said, if, if I have enough Indian in me, you and I get free health care. So I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out. So Walmart did a special on Ancestry.com. So I bought the DNA kit for 39 bucks on special at Walmart. Merry Christmas to me. I spit in that little vial. <laughs> it took a long time to fill that vial up, by the way, because I don't have a lot of spit. Only when I preach. I should have let Sam hold the vial, and I could just preach. And I would have filled that thing up by the end of the service. But I spit in that thing, and I sent it off. And I got the results back, and I was shocked, because I'm like 2% Cherokee Indian. I want to send it off again and say, y'all missed it. There's a number missing. I mean, German and Scottish are the last two things I ever thought were going to show up in my DNA. British, I get that, or European, I get that. I even had a little Russian. I had 1% Russian. There's communist in me. I'm so thankful that Jesus set me free. <laughs> How did I get there? Why'd y'all get me on that path? I mean, where, where, where were we at? Oh, yeah, the rise of suns. That's why we're here this morning. The rise of suns. So now that I know who I am, if my accent changes, just bear with me. So I was considering a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I was considering uh, the things that happen in us and in this reason for sonship. And I've said this, this is part of the series, I don't know which week this is, I need to look it up, but I think this is week six or seven in this series. And, and we started this series because I believe this, the church has an identity problem. The church world has an identity problem, there's a crisis. Believers don't know who they are. Now they, they think they do because they say, well I'm a, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. And they think somehow that sums up the totality of who they are. And somehow that matters to the guy they work beside at the office or the person that they live beside. Just being a believer and just being a Christian means so many things to so many different people. But when you say, I'm a son, it has one meaning. I'm born of something. You did not hear what I just said. To say, I'm a believer, you're a believer in what? I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, well, so do I, but, you know, we don't look anything alike. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, so am I, but, you know, look at... Check, check out my schedule, what I'm going, where I'm going, what I'm doing, what I'm participating in. 
You line 10 people up and say, what does it mean to be a Christian? You're going to get 10 different definitions. You line up 100 and say, what's it mean to be a believer? You're going to get 100 different definitions. This is what a believer is. Believers are Baptist. Believers are Pentecostal. Believers are Methodist. Real Christians are Nazarene. You know, those that really know God today are none of that. They've shucked it all off. So I'm doing away with religion because in the mind of Christians today, religion is denomination. But in the mind of God, religion is not denomination. Religion is anything that is a counterfeit of His intention. It looks like Him, but doesn't smell like Him, doesn't work like Him, doesn't portray Him. So, as I begin this journey on the rise of sons, my heart and soul is to do whatever part I can that the Father's called me to do to help us come to the place where we know who we are. And I want to know who I am. How about you? In fact, I don't want to simply know who I am. I want to be who I am. Knowing I'm a son is one thing. Being a son is is a total different thing. And I don't want to have to say to anyone in this room, not you, Scott, not you, Tom, not you, Kathy, not you, Matt. I don't want to say to anybody in this room, I don't have to come to them and say, I'm a son. Did you know that I'm a son? Did you know that I'm a child of God? I don't want to have to say that to anybody. I want to come up to people and I want them to know there's something very different about you. Who is it that you serve? So that's what this is born out of, the rise of sun. Suns rise up. Can we be awakened and reminded of what we were when He sent us? Because when you came into the earth, when He first breathed that pneuma breath, we sang about when He first breathed that pneuma breath into you, the breath of God, when He breathed into you and you took upon yourself, life came into you. The Spirit of God came into you and made you alive at that very moment. You were a son. We undo sonship. As we begin to grow, as we begin to learn how to deny, as we begin to learn how to be selfish, as we begin to learn how to get angry, as we begin to learn how to be offended and stay offended, as we begin to learn how to run, as we begin to learn how to ignore, we undo sonship. But when we come into the earth, We're the very essence of God that He sends into the earth. He breathes His breath. You are full of His breath. You have not yet breathed the tainted air of sinfulness. Then that begins to change. And as we begin to grow and and we begin to hear, we begin to learn, we begin to hang around with this person, we begin to hang around with that person, we get involved in this situation and that situation, and we begin to water this down, and we begin to say, well, maybe God is a little bit in this, and, we, and, and so on and so forth, and, and you begin to see that happening, and all of a sudden, you realize, the son that I was is now not the man that I am. Somehow I've lost sight of who I was sent to be. So this calling, this purpose of this series is to awaken us. Wake up, sons and daughters of God. Be reminded, I hope, through this, who you are and who you've been called to be, who you were sent to be. 
Not a Sunday son or daughter. Not a Easter and Christmas or Mother's Day son or daughter. Is anybody hearing me right now? But an everyday, everyday son or daughter. You don't know how to do anything else. Coming to the place where you're no longer trying to be a son. It no longer requires trying. You've become that. And you can be nothing else. So part of getting there, because remember when He breathed His breath into us and we inhaled that breath of God and His, all that He is, filled us. And we came out of our mama's womb and whole, pure, righteous, a son, a daughter. And over time, as that gets lost, what I want to do is awaken again the pathway back to that place where the presence of God is heavier in you than the air around you. It's more vital to you than the water you drink and the food you eat. But walking with Him and honoring Him is second to nothing. Decisions are not made over a period of contemplation. But the decision to honor Him is made in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. I will not do that because I'm a son. It doesn't take me a while to figure out whether I should be or should not be doing that. I know right now. I'm going to find myself where sons are. I'm going to find myself where daughters are. And I will not be found in the bed of what is contrary. To his purpose. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So we're going to talk about the process. Three parts of it. A process is like a recipe. It is how something of value is created. When all the right steps are followed. And the ingredients are applied. Think of this. Someone who's making bread. I don't make bread. But I've seen people make bread. I've seen it on Hallmark and Great American Family. I just watched them do it the other night. And they had this bread, this dough out, and they were flipping it and beating it and flipping it and beating it, and they'd flip it again and beat it, and she was explaining to whoever she was trying, her, trying to win over, the prince, the guy that was 61% British, 15% German, 12% Scottish. And she'd flip it and she'd beat it and knead it. And they call it kneading and because it needs it. You need it and I need it. But she'd flip it and knead it and flip it and knead it and flip it and knead it until it was just right. And then set it aside and let it, what do you call it, percolate, swell. Rise up, sons.
So they set it aside and let it rise, and let it do its thing. And then they'd add a little bit of this to it, a little bit of that, and they'd put it in there, put the butter on it or the garlic or whatever it is they put on it. And then they were baking cupcakes and cookies and they were doing all these things and there's a process to the whole thing. And they'd follow old grandmama's recipe. My, my, I'm telling you, my mother, she's watching. She's in Houston right now. She's watching. Love you, Mom. Happy New Year. But my mother makes the best cheesecake on the planet Earth. It's no bake. It doesn't go in an oven. If a cheesecake goes in an oven, it's not a cheesecake. <laughs> Believe me, I'm telling you, it's the best cheesecake. It won first place at our bake-off one year. <laughs> but it requires particular steps. It has six ingredients. That's it. Six ingredients. You mix it. You blend it. And you can't blend it too long. Or it's too fluffy. And I don't like fluffy cheesecake. Cheesecake should not be fluffy, should not be baked. Cheesecake should be creamy and firm. Don't send me your baked fluffy cheesecake. But she makes this perfect cheesecake, and it was funny because just a couple, just a year ago for my birthday, my daughter Kaylee makes me a cheesecake every year. She makes my mom's cheesecake, Meemaw's cheesecake. She brought it over last year. She said, Dad, it tastes funny. So I took a bite of the cheesecake. First of all, it was runny. You tried to cut it, and it was drooling. (laughs) Took a bite of that cheese, took it, and put it in my mouth, and it was... And I don't remember, what was it you had? Oh, she's gone. She, she knew it was coming. And she had missed an ingredient. Or she over-applied an ingredient. She, over-impl- she over-applied lemon juice. So it tasted like a lemon. And it was strong and it was awful. But she missed an ingredient. But then I told her, I said, let me see the recipe you used. She showed me the recipe. I said, well, that's, you did, this isn't right. And then she went and she made it again. And she, made it, she just made it the other day and we devour it. When it comes into my house, it lasts for an hour. Because it's real cheesecake, not the stuff Cheesecake Factory makes. Cheesecake Factory. If your cheesecake is made in a factory, it's not cheesecake. But when she made it according to the recipe... And she does it every time, and she follows the simplest recipe you've ever had. I'll share it with you. You eat it one time, you'll never eat anything else. Cheesecake. And she made it, and it's delicious. But you know why? Because the process, it required a certain process. And in like a recipe, the process for you and me to become sons, to find again our original intent, to be found within our original intent, and purpose that he sent us for in the first place. Sometimes it requires a little kneading, a little beating, a little, what do you call it, percolate, rising? <laughs> requires looking again at the process. Oh, I missed something. I missed something. Something's not right. I missed, a, I missed a step. Let me go back and see what that step was because what he wants to do in me and through me, for me, requires that that step. How many in here ever feel like you've missed a step? Yeah, some of y'all missed a couple coming in this morning. But we feel like it. Every now and then we miss a step. 
And there's something just doesn't feel right. It looks right. It has the right firmness, but it looks right, smells right. But then when you get into the middle of a pressure situation, all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait, wait, wait. Something's missing. How come this is beating me instead of me overcoming it? I want to talk about it today. First of all, we're going to talk about this. Everybody say, trust the process. Say it again. Say, trust the process. Man, it's so hard to do. It's hard to trust the process, but I want to read to you out of John 5. So turn with me in your Bible, your app, however you're following along or watch on the screen to John chapter 5. We're going to read 10 verses, verses 15 through 25. And this that I'm about to read occurs just after Jesus heals the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, just so that you know. And he did this on the Sabbath, so there's a little conflict that's going on between what he did and what the religious folks thought he should have done or should not have done. So this is picking up after the man is healed. So the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. God bless you. Don't heal anybody on the Sabbath. What's wrong with you? But Jesus answered them, Listen, my father is working until now, and so am I. I'm working too. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, can I have your attention? That's what that means. He said, can I have your attention? Listen, I want you to pay, I really want you to read my lips. That's what he's saying. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son, the son, the son, can do nothing of his own accord. If you find yourself doing it on your own, God's not there. The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does the same thing. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. If you thought that was good, wait till you see what's coming in this son. That's what he's saying. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly, truly, read my lips, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into a judgment into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Now, referring to verse 21, I want to read another passage in just a second, but I want to refer back to verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Now, the mistake that you and I might make is that this is only Jesus Christ that's giving life to anyone. This would be the error that we would make. See, we would make that because we're not sons yet. But if I'm a son, I realize that life can be found in me too. Just bear with me. So if we read this, and we read this from a religious mindset, we think, well, all life is found only in Jesus Christ then we're going to struggle with the fact that life is also found in you because life is found within the Son. Are we agreed on that? So to help you understand that, let me 
read to you from Acts chapter 3, verse 6. They don't have this on the screen, so I'll just, I'll just read you what it says. Peter just healed a man sitting at the gate, a lame man, and he said, Sir, silver and gold have I none. I'm giving you the King James Version because that's how I have it memorized. Silver and gold, I memorized it a long time ago. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Sir, you want to be healed. Actually, you don't even know that you want to be healed. What you want right now is money, alms. What you want right now is something that can buy you maybe medication that will ease your pain and suffering. Maybe that's all you want. Maybe you want just a little bit of attention. Maybe you just want somebody to sit down beside you and have a conversation because you've been sitting there for so long. But sir, I come to you today in silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I am very happy to give to you. So I'm coming to you with something. I have life for you, sir. I'm going to introduce you to the life giver. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up, get on your feet, and start walking. Now what did Peter do? Peter just gave that man life. Let me tell you, let me give you another example. I'm going to come back to this one. On July the 8th, 1985, you guys know, most of you know that date. That's the day that I came to Christ. But on July the 8th, 1985, when I walked into that church, North Central Assembly of God in Houston, Texas, and I walked in and I sat down in the back row of that church and that preacher stood up and he began to teach and he began to preach and he, he preached the message, will the real Jesus Christ please stand up? Now I'm going to tell you something. When he got to the end of that message and he gave the appeal for people to come down to the altar, I couldn't relate to Jesus Christ and I could not relate to God. I did not have that connection and I did not have that wherewithal. But what I did know is what that man said was that if I will come down to that altar, my life will be changed. For me, what that man released to me was life. That man gave me life. He gave me what it took to come down. But when I received Jesus Christ, he gave me righteous life, eternal life. What we need to understand is if we're outside of sonship, what's the best thing that you're going to bring to people who are dead? Confirmation that there is no hope? Confirmation that you can call yourself a believer but you have no power? Outside of believing, that there's something in you. Better said this way. Peter didn't come to that man. In fact, if you keep reading on, he said, what you received today, you did not receive from me, but you received from the one who's in me. If you continue reading in Acts 3. You got that from the one that is in me, but what I came to you with was an anointing. And you were drawn to that anointing. You did not hear the words. You did not hear the voice of Jesus Christ. You heard the voice of Peter. But Peter comes to you today as a son. And in coming to you as a son of Almighty God, I want to tell you that I possess within me that same anointing that is in Jesus Christ to show you the way. Though He is the way. In the name of Jesus Christ, this joint heir comes to you and introduces you to the one that I received. Now rise up and walk.
So there's a trust factor here. I have to trust this process that is going on. I have to trust that when he's changing my mind and changing my way. In fact, some of you right now, you have to trust what you just heard. Some of you are way more comfortable being powerless. Because being powerless requires no responsibility. Some, many, too many walking around today, sitting in churches and sitting on pews and going into congregations, they're going to go out all in the name of, man, we're going to go out and we're going to change the world. And they go out there and they have absolutely no anointing and no power at all. Because they do not know who they are. Because there's not been any process applied to them. The recipe is right. They're missing some ingredients. And the ingredient is the anointing. The ingredient is knowing I am a son. I am not just somebody. He said, oh, today's your day. No, I'm going to tell you when the Father looked at you and He called you and He sent you and He formed you and He breathed into you. He knew exactly what He was getting. In fact, He scoured over it. He looked at you. He contemplated. He considered. Is this the moment? Is this the time? Is this the one? So this is he, this is she, this is the one, and this is the time. And I'm going to breathe into them, and I'm going to send this son to do my will and my work in the earth. All while believing this. And I hope that while they're in the earth doing my will and my work, they understand that sonship within it, there is power, and there is authority, and there is a need not only to know who they are, but to be who they are. People go out, believers go out today, they don't trust the process, they don't trust. As soon as the process comes to them, process gets right, right up in, in believers' faces today. And Yahweh sends a moment, He sends somebody, He sends something to them to begin to start this process of reminding them who they were sent to be, even like I'm doing this morning. I've been sent to remind us who we are, But what so many will do is, who is this guy? What does he think he's trying to tell me? Who does he think he is to come in here and tell me I need to change this? And I'm going to tell you who I think I am. I'm a son, and I've come today to remind you that within you there is a power, and there is an authority, and there is a voice, and there is an anointing, and the world needs what's in you. It doesn't need us regurgitating over and over again all the scriptures that we've memorized. Doesn't re- need, the world doesn't need you and me going out there telling people how important church is. Church becomes important not because it's on Sunday, but because we have relationship, right relationship with the Father. Going to church doesn't make the relationship right. The relationship with Him makes going to church right. There are times when what one is doing at any given moment gets in the way of what they are anointed to do or be. So change has to be applied. This recipe, got to trust this process. Got to trust this process. And just like Christ, or just like Peter, speaking to this man and saying, Sir, I want you to get up today because I don't have anything I can give you in the natural. But I'm going to tell you what I can do is i got an anointing that I can share with you. And this anointing did not come on my own. This anointing came from the Father. When I realized who I was, see, prior to Peter knowing who he was in God, there was no anointing present. Peter could have gone to that man all day long and said, said, rise up and walk. And that man would have laughed at him and tripped over his own lameness. But when he came with anointing, when he began to realize who he was, 
change began to be applied. I remember one time, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. There was a season, I don't just remember it, I remember it vividly, but there was a season some years ago, many years ago, when my daughter Kaylee came on staff and she was assisting me and she was helping me and I was teaching her how to do some things here at the church because of what was in her heart and she had shared with me many times, Dad, I want to help you, I want to help you do what you're called to do and and that's my vision and that's my heart. So I brought her on to help me do some things and she was here for, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but she was here for a while and, and as I watched my daughter and as I would see her press in and, and try her very best to do what was in her heart to do, I couldn't help but witness that in the middle of all of that, she didn't, her, the vision wasn't right. There was a love for me, but at that time there hadn't quite become the right love for the Father. She was learning about the Father. The love wasn't even fully right for you. There was no question there was a love for me. There's no question she loved God, but the, it had not been, there had been no process applied. So I watched her as she stumbled. She would get frustrated. She would get aggravated. So I did what I thought was the right thing to do then, and I know it was the right thing to do even now. And I went to her one day and I called her into my office and I said, Kaylee, you're not in the right place. What you're doing right now, I love you and you're my daughter and I'm always going to love you, but you're not in the right place. And you're no longer on staff here. And you're no longer serving me in this role. And it devastated her. It crushed her. And it crushed me to see the impact that it was having upon her, my daughter. This is my daughter. And it crushed me and she cried and I cried and I told her, I said, I don't know where you're going to go, what you're going to do, where you're going to work or how you're going to do it, but it's not going to be here. I didn't even know what her response was going to be. I didn't know how she would react to it. I didn't know if she'd blame Yahweh, if she'd blame me, she'd blame somebody. I didn't know what she would do. She walked out of that office and I still vividly as it was this morning... I can see her walking out of that office and as soon as she walked out of my office and I shut that, or she shut that door, all I could do was sit there and just sob, thinking I've just destroyed my daughter in my natural mind. I just destroyed this young woman who loves God and who loves me. And I just told her, she's not doing this right. Her heart's not in the right place. And she went and she got a job at a bank Worked at a bank for a year and something. Worked at a doctor's office for a season. A couple of different doctor's offices. And worked, and then I began to watch. In those years that she was gone, I watched her. And I watched how at one time she did what she did because she was paid to do it. And suddenly I began to watch her, and she would come and she would say, Dad, do you need help with anything? I'm off on Thursday. Can I help you with something? Yeah, as a matter of fact, you can. Come help me with this. And I begin to watch the change and, and see the process. Where she wasn't just someone on staff and she wasn't just a church member. She wasn't just the preacher's daughter. 
Suddenly she was beginning to see there was something working in her and she had to begin to trust this process. Something's being created in me. And my dad came to me and said, silver and gold, I can't give you what you're asking for, but what I have, sis, I'm giving to you today. I'm giving you some truth and it's hard truth, but I want to tell you today, your heart's not in the right place, but I want you to know if you will trust the process. And then as I begin to watch... And I began to see her, she'd come in here and she'd throw her hands up and she would worship for several years. And throw her hands up and she would worship and she would lift her voice before the Father. And, and I began to watch her heart change towards the people of the house and to the way that she reflected to, uh, re reacted to my wife and to me and to you and to Yahweh. And I began to see this girl, it was, like a, uh, it was like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon. And I saw this unfolding of this beautiful thing right in front of my eyes. And Holy Spirit said, now's the time. Now she's ready. She's accepted the process. And I went to her and I said, sis, it's time and I want you to come back and I want you to serve me and I want you to serve the people of this house. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that happens at the Rock of Central Florida she does not have her hands in. In fact, better said, there's nothing that happens at the Rock of Central Florida that she does not have her anointing in. That's the process. And then another, one of my sons, spiritual sons, I've loved him since he was 17 years old. Well, I don't know that I loved him when he was 17. It took me a while. But Matt Hoffman, I'm telling you, those of you that know Matt, I don't know where Matt's at right now, but always oh, hiding <laughs> to say he's a son in whom I'm well pleased is such an understatement it's embarrassing to even say it that way all he's ever wanted to do and all he's ever done since he, the day he walked in the doors of this house is sir how can I serve what do you need When I tried to pay him, he wouldn't take it. If I did pay him, he gave it away. He never did anything to be praised. He's never sought attention from anyone, not me nor you. Been with me for 20-something years. He's 40-something. Now, how old are you now, Matt? 41. Not that it's anybody's business, but I just thought. <laughs> but I brought him on staff one time, this particular time, and I watched as he was doing, he was cleaning the church. He was cleaning up after you and me. He was scrubbing toilets that we messed up, painting walls that we scuffed up, getting spots out of the carpet from our spilled coffee, changing light bulbs because we leave them on. Every day, faithful, faithful, faithful. But what I knew about Matt was, and I've always known about Matt, there's more to this man 
than this. Not that scrubbing floors or painting walls or changing bulbs or cleaning toilets is not important. It is. But I knew that there was a different purpose for him. And I called him into my office one day and he was on staff and this was his livelihood. And I said to him, I said, Matt, if I keep paying you to do this, you're never going to become what you're supposed to be. Because you're going to spend every day walking into the doors of this church, grabbing that janitor bucket cart, pushing it around. But you're a craftsman. You have an anointing with wood second to none. I said, you are a craftsman. And the only thing I know to do is say to you, I'm going to pay you to the end of the month. And then I want you to go do what you're, what you're called to do. I could have kept paying him and felt good. It had been easy. It had been a lot easier. Because just like looking at my daughter, I had to look at my son who this was his livelihood. My spiritual son. This is, your this is your livelihood. And you have a wife and you have children that depend on your income. And I'm telling you, your income's about to stop. And sent him out. He could have done a thousand things. He could have gotten mad and might have. He could have gotten offended and might have. But what I know he never did was speak evil of me. And what I know he never did was speak evil of the purpose of God. He might have second-guessed. He might have thought, well, maybe I shouldn't have this or maybe I shouldn't have that. He might have done that. I don't know. We've never had this conversation. What I do know is he went out and he's becoming more and more every single day exactly who he's called to be and purposed to be. But there was something fell upon Matt to become that son and whom not only am I well-pleased but the Father's well-pleased. Something that had to happen and he had to trust the process. And sometimes the process comes to us and it's not that I'm perfect so I can say this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do because there's things I have to look at myself and say and Steve, guess what you need to do? But just like when Peter came to that man at the gate, Peter didn't go to that man, a perfect man. When trusting, trusting the process isn't saying I'm only going to receive wisdom from those who are flawless. It is saying I'm going to receive wisdom from those whom the Father sends to me that have anointing in them. And I'm not going to disqualify them because they didn't do this right or they didn't do that right. But if God sent them, I'm going to trust the process. Somebody say trust the process. <laughs> Understanding will come. It will always come if trust is the foundation. It will always come if trust is the foundation. Now, it hadn't always worked out that way. I've gone to people before and I've said, this is what I believe and I can, I, I can only be faithful over what I believe. It might be you I come to next week. I don't know. But I'll tell you what I will be and that's faithful. And then you have to decide, do I trust the process? Do I trust the giver of the process? Do I trust the sharer of it? I'm not the giver of it. I'm the sharer of it. Second, everybody say, don't get mad at the process. Oh, man. 1 Peter 2, 20, verses, uh, 20 through 25, For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. 
For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten. But He continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. Leave it up to the daddy. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Listen, everybody, listen to me. Don't get mad at the process. When the process comes to you, first of all, you're trusting it. Then don't get mad at it when you're right in the middle of it. Do not get mad at the process. Oh, man, this, I just, I, I despise the day. Nobody sees my value. Nobody sees my worth. Nobody sees all the gifts I come with. I'm full of gifts. I have gifts hanging over my shoulders. There's a process. Becoming a son is learning how to not get mad at the process. But understanding in becoming a son, again, I have to go back to trust. I have to trust it. And then when the process is happening... Getting mad at it, it's not going to serve you, nor is it going to serve what you're called to. He said when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He didn't get mad and didn't say, oh, bring it, and I'll give it right back. Do it, and I'll do it right back. I'm looking for a way to pay back. No, he didn't say that. He said, man, I know what the process is that I'm in. I know what I'm in the middle of. And I know that the Father's doing, my daddy, my father is doing something in me to create something greater in me, from me. This thing that's coming out of the grave is not going to look like that thing that went into the grave. So I'm not going to take my time getting angry at the process. I want you to know today, there is a process. It took time for us to unlearn how to be sons, growing up, getting in the wrong groups, being associated with the wrong things, accepting what he does not accept. Some of you, under the sound of my voice, I'm not judging, I'm just saying what's real. You're making choices, you'll walk out of here and tonight before you go to bed, you'll make choices that the Father would not approve of. Part of the process is recognizing if he doesn't approve of it, then neither do I. If you're in a room... And there's 30 people standing around you and they're saying, go, 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 go. But the Father's saying, no, 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 no. Be the one that says no to the 30 that are saying go. Don't get mad at the... Why did you put me in the middle of this? All this pressure. I'm so mad. Because you've got me in this thing and I, and I feel like I'm in a blender and I'm being all mixed up and stirred up. And the Father says, yes, you are. And don't get mad at me for doing it. Instead, embrace it. Lay hold of it. When I was going through a process I was going through back in 93, 94, 95, 95 specifically, my wife and I, me mostly, she was my encourager. She's the one that kept me alive. True, I'm telling you, it's true. But going through that time, in the middle of that process, I let myself over and over, I did let myself get angry. I didn't come here for this. 
I didn't sign up for this. That was the right side of my brain. Then the left side of my brain was saying, but Holy Spirit put you in this. So if you're going to get mad, get mad that you're mad. Get angry that you're angry with the process. Say, Holy Spirit, do your work. And when it came to the place in 1995, when I looked at my wife and I said, this is where we were called. This is who we were sent to be. And I don't know what we're becoming. But I'm not fighting this thing anymore. And I went up and I spoke to that man and I said, I want you to know I forgive you. And I release you from any responsibility, blah, 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 blah. And I spilled out all my words and felt like I got it all out of there. And he said, Steve, I don't remember any of that. And I'm sorry. When I trusted the process, Yahweh unraveled that thing so cleanly and resurrected me so fully. You wouldn't even like who I was before I went into that tomb. You need to hear me. That was my tomb. You wouldn't have liked who I was before I went in. You might not like who I am after I came out. But this is a much better version. Whole. Don't get mad at the process. Getting mad will make us do things that we regret later. Because out of anger, we make choices that ultimately lead us away from sonship, not to it. Lastly, everybody say this, say, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable to the process. James 1, verses 19 through 21 says, Know this, my brethren, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I'm going to say that last verse again. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness this morning the implanted word because it is able to save your souls. Be vulnerable to the process. Don't hide from it. And don't pretend like you need no work. It would be easy for you to think that because I'm the one standing behind the pulpit that he is, that the work in me is complete. I want to tell you it's not. Nobody. There's, I don't know anybody. May, it might be true. I just don't know him. But nobody presses in harder to know, Father, am I right in the middle of what you want me to be and do? I press in. And if it isn't right, I've come before you before and said we were going this way, but we're not going that way anymore. Because my heart and soul, Father, at the end of the day, I want you to say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Even if it is to my embarrassment, I want it to be said, Father, I want you to say, this is my son. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Even if it requires me to be so vulnerable. There's a sense of embarrassment with it and I have to go back and eat crow. I'm going to be vulnerable to the process. And I'm going to lay it all out there. I'm not going to act like 
Sonship reigns in me. When really in my mind and my soul there's turmoil. And I feel like an outcast. I feel like a vagabond. I feel like I've been left alone. I'm not going to act like everything's right. I'm going to tell you today there's a call for sons of God to rise up. But in order to rise up, we have to move through a process of becoming His sons once again. Knowing and being who we are. Not just reading our Bibles and saying a quick prayer. That's pretty, that's nice, that's frosting, but it isn't the batter. It isn't the egg, and it isn't the flour, and it isn't all the other things that go in there, the part of the process. He's calling people out today, Austin. He's calling people out. And there's people sitting under my voice. You hear me talking today. And it's words to you. It's just words. He's just preaching another message. It's just another Sunday morning. It's just words to you. Can I tell you today, in every sense of the word pleading that I can think of, I'm calling out to you. These aren't just words. This is the implanted word. Receive it with meekness. Receive it with an open heart. The Father's trying to implant something in you and remind you and me, remind us who we are. And we aren't churchgoers. And we aren't just believers. And we aren't just good Christians. We are sons and we are daughters of Almighty God. Revelation 21, 7. I read it. It was the last reading today. And I read it this morning. And it just jumped out at me. And it says, The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God. And he will be my son. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God. And he will be my son. Now you can walk out of here this morning. And you can continue to be a good believer. And you go home and you can say all your pretty little things. And you can talk about how Jesus did this and Jesus did that. Or you can show it. You can begin to demonstrate it. You can stop talking about it. Trying to convince yourself. And you can begin to do it. You can walk out of here and stop dreaming about becoming a son. And you can walk out of here today, or before you walk out of here, you can make this decision. Let the process begin in me today. Let today be the turning point as I move into 2024. Let the process begin into me and invite the process to begin to do a work in you so that you, you can become exactly who you were sent to be. Every single one of us in this room. There's a world out there that's crying out, not for good, good Christians. Liz Darnell, they're not crying out for good believers out there. They're a dime a dozen. Good Christians, good believers that can quote 42 scriptures in 30 minutes or 30 seconds. They're a dime a dozen. But what the earth is crying out for is for the sons of God to rise up and be revealed. Show yourself. The earth is crying out for men and women who say, yes, I'm familiar with scripture. Yes, I know how to pray. 
But more than that, I know who sent me. And I know of whom I am. And I am not an orphan. I'm not a vagabond. I'm not one who He looks over. I am a son. And I have an inheritance. And I have a legacy. And when I walk into a room, you're going to know that a son has come into the room. Because you're going to sense and you're going to know that the anointing of God just showed up. Not just a good talker. Not just a good doer. But a faithful son and a faithful daughter. Father, today, today, stir us up every single one in this room, the young and the old. Stir us up in this room today, the righteous and the unrighteous. Stir us in the deepest part of our soul today until everything in us cries out, Father, I want to know you not just as God, but I want to know you as Father. I want to be known by you, not just as a good believer or a good follower, but I want to be known by you as a faithful son, a faithful daughter. Stand with me if you would, please. This whole process, man, let it work in us, Father. Can I tell you something today? People might say, well, give me some practical ways to begin to allow this to show up. Stop mingling the seed. Easiest way to start. Stop mingling the seed. And I'm not talking about black and white and Indian and Hispanic and Korean. And Stop mingling the seed. Stop trying to make righteousness work where unrighteousness dwells. Stop trying to make unrighteousness work where righteousness is trying to thrive. Stop trying to introduce into the glory of God the nature of sin. Does anybody hear me today? You're hearing what I'm telling you today. Some of you tonight, tonight, tonight's a big night. Tonight's a big night to start. Some of you are going to find yourself at parties, in places. You're looking forward to it. Right now, you're upset because I'm saying, see, the process has already started in you. He would have to mention our parties tonight. And you're going to go in there and you're going to get drunk stupid. I'm just telling you the truth. Some of you aren't, but some of you might. You're going to get stupid drunk, and you're stupid for doing it. You're mingling the seed. You're saying... This morning, I'm a son. Man, I want everything that you've got. And then tonight, you're going to go and you're going to make it lose its mind. I don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> Direct reflection of where you might be even now. You're going to go to places and see things and witness things that the Father would never find Himself in. But, oh, I'm doing it. You know, I'm just, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be a testimony. No, 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 no. No. You're mingling seed. 
I'm just giving you practical things right now. Can I give you practical things? Oh, you know, you, don't, you, you, just, you just don't know all the impact that I'm having there. No, I, I do know. I do know. I see you. Even if I haven't talked to you about it, I see things. I'm aware of things. Well, who are you to judge? Well, I'm the visionary of this house. God sent me to be a voice, and I'm going to be a faithful voice. You can hear it if you want to. You can reject it if you want to. That's up to you. But I'm not going to stop talking. So what are you going to do? Well, man, now I've got to change my plans. Now I gotta, you're telling me I've got to change my plans. I'm not telling you you have to do anything. If you want to be a son, you'll do it because you want to. If you want to be a faithful daughter, you'll change whatever you were going to do so that it reflects His glory. Emphasize the Father. Not everything that the enemy puts out there that makes it look so glorious and good. Is anybody hearing me this morning? I'm giving you simple things. Is this simple enough? Stop mingling the seed. Somebody say, stop mingling the seed. If you're doing it and God wouldn't, you just mingle the seed. In fact, I think next Sunday what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a couple of seeds and I'm going to put them in everybody's hand. And I'm going to call one righteous and one unrighteous. And see how long you can keep those things apart. When you find yourself in a place the Father wouldn't find Himself, go ahead and put them together because you just mingled the seed. And then repent, separate those things. Don't go into 2024 with this thing in mind. How did I start 2024? <laughs> I dishonored the Father, man. I went everywhere He wouldn't go. I did everything He wouldn't do. But I'm going to get it right in the morning. Why not go to bed connected to Him? Instead of hoping you wake up connected to Him. Is anybody hearing me today? Well, Steve, you're being very judgmental. I'm not. I didn't judge anybody. I didn't call anybody's name out. I'm just telling you. I'm very nice because I'm telling you, if it were Paul, (laughs) he called people a lot of things. But I'm telling you today, Matt, we're not changing this world not knowing who we are and not living up to what we were sent to be. We're changing this world because we begin to make some tough choices. I'm called to something bigger than me. There's a lot of other things that I could do, but there's nothing else I would do. I'm called to something big. How about you? Father, I lift my voice today over the people in this room. I lift my voice over those who are watching today. I lift my voice over those who might hear this later down the road. It might not even be New Year's Eve when they hear it. But I pray that the words that you put in me today, that within those words they will hear your voice within my voice. And I pray that you will do everything that you sent this word to do. Let it accomplish and be fulfilled in each one, each hearer today. Father, I pray that conviction will find its place where conviction needs to be found today. I pray that encouragement will find its place in the place where encouragement needs to be found. I pray that hope will find its place in that spot where hope needs to be found today. Healing, deliverance, whatever it might be today, salvation, may you find your place where salvation needs to be found today. All to your glory, Father. We rise up today as sons. We do, in every sense of the word, trust the process that's at work in us 
to walk with you.